Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. Today's story is about reinvention and the many chapters we have in our lives. In the spotlight, a woman who has worn many hats in multiple professions, each one very different from the last, each one requiring different skills, learning new things, and pretty much being fearless. In her first job right out of college, she worked at a major advertising agency here in Boston, where she got her foot in the door as a secretary, working her way up to become an account executive. And then she took a leap of faith. She opened a bakery. She sold that. She stayed home to raise three children. She became a certified health coach and is now the founder of Drive Your Life, a five-step system designed to teach women how to put themselves in the driver's seat. I want to find out what drives her. Her name is Amy Goober. This is her story. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love hearing the description. (laughs) (laughs) Do you wonder when you hear me talking, do you go, is that me? Did I really do all those things? Well, I do think that in a way, but I realize I'm 61. So I've had a lot of years (laughs) to get things done. Tell me about that first job in advertising. Describe that job just a little bit. You get out of college and, you know, you think you have a pretty good degree and you go looking for a job. And in those days, women were secretaries. That's all I can say. It was 1981. I had a pretty good college degree. So I thought and I had a lot of good skills and it didn't matter. It didn't matter who you are, what you did. You started as a secretary and I couldn't even apply for the job until I got my typing speed up to 40 words per minute. So like, think Mad Men. And I went and it was a three interview process. And did I aspire to be a secretary? I think not. But I got so excited about getting the job. And I got the job. And actually, the woman who hired me, who ended up to be my boss, ironically had also gone to Cornell. And I saw that she had moved up in the ranks, right? So I sort of had faith. But I'm telling you, I was not cut out to be a secretary whatsoever, but I did it because that was the job I had. What did you learn, though? What was your takeaway from working in the advertising industry? I just knew that I wanted to do more. And as a secretary, I was typing somebody else's words, right? My bosses would hand me a handwritten letter and I had to type it exactly and I had to answer their phones. And at one point I was like, I'm not even a person here. I'm sort of a machine. So I worked as hard as I could to get to that account executive level. And what I learned was that I could do it. And then when I got to where I really thought I wanted to be, I looked around and I thought, this is a really male dominated occupation. It was very sort of salesy. And I just thought, This is not for me. (laughs) You know, my dad used to say, knowing what you don't want to do is just as important as knowing what you do want to do. Did you get that sense when you were saying to yourself, I do not want to be in advertising? It must have been scary and empowering all at the same time. Right. But I had an exit plan. So I think if I hadn't had my next idea in mind, I probably would have stayed there. So let's move on to that. This becomes your decision to start a bakery. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is hard work. When you had your idea, where did it come from? Did you have a business plan? Take me back. I took a course in cake decorating while I was in advertising. And then I taught a course at the Boston Center for Delta Education because I was like, oh, I can do this. And every class ended up with a decorated cake. So I would bring them into the ad agency because I had one roommate. You know, what are we going to do with a whole cake? And then it created a buzz. And people were like, oh, my gosh, you should open a bakery. And then 
they started asking me to make cakes for the clients. So Friendly Restaurant was one of our clients. And I literally made a 3D Friendly's Restaurant. I made a Honeywell computer. I started exploring it. And the copywriter that was at the ad agency said, oh my gosh, I've got the perfect name. You'll call it the icing on the cake. And the art director said, what about this for a logo? And it looks like icing. Then I'm like sort of on the road. And I remember calling my mother who was in New York. You know, I'm telling her this idea. I'm literally 26 years old. You know? <laughs> and she said to me, I have a friend with a daughter in business school. Do you want to get together with her and have her help you with a business plan? And I said, oh, no, 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 I absolutely don't need that. <laughs> and then she called back another time and said, what about working at a bakery? Like, what about just sort of trying that out? To, no, no, no. I said, I don't want to give them any of my ideas. <laughs> You know what? There's so much bravery in this. Mm -hmm. It's the innocence of youth, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Had you been there now, would you do the same thing? I have a 28-year-old daughter, and I'll say, boy, if she came to me two years ago and said I'm going to open a cake bakery, I I don't know. But I had been making cakes in my apartment, which was not really totally legit, but I mean, I was doing it. And then there was a PR woman, a young friend of mine at the agency, and she said, I'm going to just send out a press release. And in those days, the Boston Globe magazine, the back inside back cover was called Getting Around, and they highlighted three really cool things. And boom, they picked it up. And there I was in the Getting Around section of the Boston Globe with this gorgeous basket of flowers cake that I used to make. And within two weeks, I had 100 messages on my little answering machine That was when I kind of said, I really have to decide if I'm going to rent space and open a bakery or just let all this go. And I just got on the roller coaster and that's what I did. Tell me what you loved about being in this business, because owning a bakery, being a small business person is so much hard work. It's early hours, it's long days, it's people who work for you whose hand is out for a paycheck. It was just me to start. And then I really developed my business philosophy, which is if you are an entrepreneur, you should work to the highest level of your ability, right? So in the beginning, I was doing everything. And then I was like, well, I can hire someone to bake the cakes. So I did that. And then I thought I can hire someone to ice the cakes. So I did that. And then I said, oh, I can hire cake decorators. I was like everything. And then I started doing the marketing. And then what I didn't bank on was that there was going to be competition. It just never even occurred to me. Nothing stopped me. Like I can remember when Shawmut Bank had some big anniversary and you had to put in a proposal and they wanted cakes at like 16 banks simultaneously when they opened at 9 a.m. on the same day. And then like a cake for 300 people at their main branch. And I gave them a proposal and I went down with my little, you know, briefcase, my little portfolio, and we got the job. And I was like, oh my God, there's like six of us in this tiny little bakery. And we pulled it off. We rented cars. My now husband, but then boyfriend built stands for inside. It was crazy, crazy, but you just did it. How important is passion in the role of being a successful entrepreneur? You have to love what you're doing, but I really think it's the drive. Like I just had that singular, I'm doing it no matter what. And I really wasn't taken very seriously at the beginning because 
I was young and I would wear a little t-shirt and the place was tiny and these mothers and daughters would come in and the daughter was going to be getting married at the Ritz or the Four Seasons because what we made these beautiful flowers that ended up being high end. It was not the intention. I'd say, hi. And the mother would say, um, we'd like to speak to the owner. You know, and there I am with my ponytail and my little icing on the cake t-shirt. And so I had to work it, you know, and by the end of the appointment, the mother would be saying, Amy, what do you think? What's your advice? You know, because they could see that I knew what I was talking about. How many years did you do this? I did it for seven years and it really was a labor of love. And I ended up with a pretty big staff of full and part-time people. I was ready to have a child. So I had my first baby in 1992, and I sold my bakery right after that to two of my employees. And I will say that not only are they still there, because that baby is now 28, but two other employees from when I owned the bakery are still there. So four of these employees have been there for 34 years. And that, to me... It's just wild. It's a great legacy. We learn something from every job we do. What did you learn from owning your own small business? Um, I learned that I can probably do almost anything I set my mind to because that was so hard. I mean, and I knew nothing. I had no experience. So it was really, really hard. So I learned that. And I also learned that I would probably never have a food business again. But I I learned a lot from it. I loved it. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for almost 20 years. Tell me about your decision to leave behind this big career of yours, owning your own bakery, and then focusing on your children. Was there a time when you were saying, did I do the right thing here? Or did you always know that was the right decision for you? That's a great question. I can't say that at At a younger age, I knew I wanted to, like, quote, stay home with my children. But it worked out beautifully because the bakery was so hard that by the time I sold it, I was so done. It was so difficult. And I didn't know anyone in my town at the time. You know, my husband and I both worked full time and we were just living in this town. We didn't know anyone. So I really made it almost like a job to get to know people. I joined everything I could find and I brought my little baby girl everywhere and I just really immersed myself in that role. And it was a relief not to own a business for those years. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. You've mentioned that you're from New York. What was the message in your house about work ethic? I grew up on Long Island and my father was a builder. So he worked seven days a week. And my mother was, even with a master's degree in English, as she had been a teacher, but she was at home with us. And I had one brother. And the message was pretty low key, but it was very high achievement. I can't say I was pushed to be a high achiever, but I was good at school and I did well and my brother did very well at school. And so I think the message was be yourself. Who were your role models? I didn't see a lot of my father just because he worked a lot and he actually died when I was 15. But really my mother was and she really was and has always been a wonderful role model for me. And she's had multiple careers. So I certainly had that laid out. You know, the loss of your dad at 15. What did you experience when you lost him as such a young, young woman? You think you're going along fine. 15 is very young. So you grow up and this is your family. And he literally got sick and died within about three months. I mean, it was very fast. And It was really, really difficult, although I had the support of my mother and she was incredible. 
And it really did sort of chart part of my path in two ways. Not a great consequence of it was I ended up gaining a lot of weight after that happened, looking back on it, probably eating for comfort. And so I was overweight through high school and into college, which then ironically, as we go to the next part, will feed into the health coach part. And on the other side of it, it was within a year that I had to learn how to drive. And with Drive Your Life, my program, I always tell the story at the beginning of how my mother was left to have to do like all the practicing driving with me. And it was a huge car. It was like a car the size of a tank. And I was nervous and she was nervous. It was very difficult. And so once I got my license, which I did, I kind of never drove again. I really developed like just a, a fear and dislike of driving. And that went all the way through college. When I moved to Boston, I really didn't drive. But once I started the icing on the cake, I was delivering the cakes in taxis. But once I had the bakery out in Newton, I had to get a car and I had to relearn how to drive. And I had to deliver people's wedding cakes in the city of Boston. I'm fascinated by this because isn't it so interesting, Amy, how the one thing that you were the most terrified of rears its head again in your life. And if you want to get these wedding cakes safely to these brides in the middle of Boston, but you had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing how life does that to us? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about in 2013, you're certified. This must have been very empowering for you. Take me back to that in 2013. I was 53, the middle of menopause, and it's impossible. Uh, it's so hard to lose weight at that age, no matter what. And I found a program that, you know, I was very skeptical, but I did it. And I lost 10 pounds in a month. And I thought, this is a miracle. So I became a health coach for that program. And that really changed a lot for me because I started helping other people with the program. So I didn't create the program, but I was sort of a walking billboard for it. And I loved the coaching. You know, it was a really natural fit for me and I loved helping people. So it really came back to the psychology degree. I realized I'm not a toe dipper, I guess is the other thing. And it was, a, it was a, an at-home business and it was, it was always coaching people by phone and all of that so we could support them where they were. And I really like leaned into the company. I loved the ethics of the company and the doctor that created it. And I started traveling and I was being trained and I trained other people and I developed a team. And so it was my full-time gig for just about eight years now. You have a designation here, too. You reached the level of Global right. Director of Octavia. Right. And you are 2% of all 35,000 health coaches at the company to achieve this rank. Congratulations. I'm going to guess with 600 women whom you've helped with health coaching that you have one or two success stories to share with us. Oh, there's so many success stories. How women feel about their bodies and weight and all of these things play such a bigger role in their lives than one would think or maybe than it should. Helping women lose weight, feel better, create coaching businesses, leave jobs they weren't happy with, stay home with their kids if they want, seeing transformations. And that's the key. In your experience, what is the number one cause of weight gain in a healthy person? People are using food for more than nutrition, right? So it could be stress, it could be boredom, it could be anxiety, it could be celebration. I mean, food is a big part of everyone's life. So I think 
it's more about is the food ruling you or, you know, or are you in charge of the food? Let's go to your next chapter, which is where we are right now. Drive Your Life is the latest chapter in a career that keeps on evolving. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this coaching practice. A little over a year ago, I was cruising along hot, no pun intended, with my health coaching, but I was turning 60. And at the same time, in the same month, my youngest child was moving out of the house to go to college. I just knew there was going to be like a gap that I really needed to fill beyond the health coaching full-time gig. And my older daughter, who's very wise, said to me, like, what are you going to do, mom? It's great you work for this company, but like, what is Amy Goober going to do? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. You know. So I thought about it. And she said, who do you want to help? Who do you want to serve? And immediately it's women. So I looked around based on who I've coached and just even my own circle. And I really feel that women at some point along the way forget or need to be reminded that they're in control of their own lives. We are caring for our parents and other family members. We are raising children. We are potentially working. We may be creating a business. And then we still have to fold the laundry and figure out what's for dinner. So with all of that, there's very little time for self because we just can't. It doesn't happen. And so I just saw a lot of women that I felt could have tweaked one or two things and really changed things. So the philosophy is put yourself on the to-do list. But I didn't want to just talk about it because I just thought, what are they going to come out with at the end? So I created a five-step system because I said, there's got to be a structure to it. So they know they're doing each step and then they can get going. Tell us about the five-step system. It's based on appreciating, finding out what you want, appreciating what you have inside and learning how to go forward. So it's really important for women to acknowledge what wonderful things they're carrying around inside remember what they've done and then they can move forward so that's part of it you have a book coming out so what happened was i came up with this talk first this five steps in the spring and that's right when COVID started so there were no conferences and nobody was <laughs> nobody was talking anywhere and i was well now what do i do and someone said why don't you write a book so I said, okay, great, I'll write a book. So I wrote this book, the Drive Your Life book about the process and a lot of other things and, and my story. And each of the five elements, I use an example from my own life because I like to be transparent. You know, I want people to know that I'm not like up here teaching down to them. So I write this book and when I was reaching out to speak to editors in the summer, I happened to speak to one woman in New York who didn't even read the book. She was just on the phone with me and she said, well, I mean, this is all great. She said, I really think you should run it as a program before you finish the book. So I said, okay, so I put the book down and now I'm on program seven and eight and I've seen just the change in women, what these small group coaching, following a process, helping each other. And so I'm quite confident from my own experience that the process really works. What's next on your bucket list? It's really just trying to reach more women and have more women believe in themselves and do what they want to do because we have one go around here. Don't stop loving your people and don't stop taking care of everybody. I mean, there's great joy and power in that. But what about you? And the women I work with, I have them choose one thing in their life they want to improve or explore. And they know what it is. So I'm just all about, let's get started. 
let's get going and improve what you want to improve. What has been the lesson for you in what I consider a rich and varied career? The idea that you have to just do it. And perfect is the enemy of done. And so even now with Drive Your Life, and I have so many ideas and things I'm doing and new programs, and um, I'm going to be running my first retreat, all these things. And I'm uncertain, right? I don't know. It hasn't been proven. You have to just do it. You have to get in it and start going. And then you'll figure it all out on your way. What could you say to Amy in 1981, taking that secretary position at the ad agency? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? You know, there's probably a lot of things I wish I knew then, but I wouldn't be where I am now if I knew those things then. So sometimes the youth and the naivete is what moves you along. So if I had not worked at that ad agency, I never would have opened that bakery. I wouldn't have had the ideas from them and I wouldn't have, Maybe I would have had some other job I would have stayed in. So if I hadn't worked there, I wouldn't have gone there. But I think you know what you know when you know it. And so it's not always good to look back and say, well, if I'd known this, I would have done that. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you share it with our listeners? What I've learned in life is that the things we regret are the things we don't do. That's really my message to other women is, you know, don't regret what you haven't done. Just start doing it. As women, our lives evolve, they grow, they change, and the years can be lumped, I believe, into chapters. What I might have thought was the definition of success when I was 25 years old is definitely not what I would say is success today. So what does success mean to you right now? It's the number of women to help getting the message out to more and more people and helping women believe that they can really be in control of their own lives. Amy Goober, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story today on the story behind her success, for joining me here in my makeshift studio. You brought me beautiful flowers. Thank you so much for being our guest today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. If you know someone that I should interview, reach out anytime. Tell me about her. Candy at CandyOterry.com. And thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. What's your story? 